On today's Heartland Pod for December 6, 2021, will Beto be all right, all right, all right in Texas, North Dakota, public school pushing religion, how ambition hamstrings government efforts, a quick look at 2022, and the bromance of Tucker Carlson and Hunter Biden, and of course, Governor Mike Parson, the goldfish, continues attacking the press. Lots to get to. Here we go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer, and I am your host. Glad to have you with us. And for new folks, welcome to our corner of the podcasting universe. We're bringing political analysis from and about the Heartland, right from our homes in the Midwest and the Great West. We've got a host in St. Louis, a host myself in West Central Missouri, and a host in Colorado. Uh, plus, we've got other folks around the state of Missouri who do other shows for us. So be sure to follow us at the Heartland Pod. That's at the Heartland Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get all of our free content. We do have a Patreon subscribers page as well. You can get that easily at heartlandpod.com. You can click the button there. You can get signed up for just five bucks a month. You can get access to all of our premium show content, which includes The Last Call, where the hosts on this show let loose on a topic. We had one of those posted last week. Uh, there's some more uncensored content like the full version of last week's Delta episode. Myself and Nicholas Linky sat down and talked about some truths behind education. Uh, we're looking at things with what we, you know, taking this old game, Two Truths and a Lie. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you've played that old game in college, but we've turned it on its head and kind of taken something that we know to be a disingenuous position or a lie, and then we tell the truth about it from different angles. We also have articles there from the Heartland News. Uh, A great piece by Jessica Piper was put up last week about school choice. That one is put up there for free. Uh, You also get access to uh, some of my opening statements. I'll continue publishing some of those. Rachel Parker has put up a very good couple of pieces. So all of that is there. For five bucks a month, you get full access to all of that stuff. At 10 bucks a month and 20 bucks a month, there's more that's going to come with it. We are working on the things that are about to happen. Uh, And as 2022 goes along, a lot of that stuff is going to occur as part of 2022 as well. So your support allows us to continue to grow this project as a wholly independent podcast. And we very much appreciate all of our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we saw a handful more this week, and it is so cool to see every single one of you who signs up and it means so much to us. Uh, you know, I talk about it. This is not, uh, you know, this is not our job. This is not what we do for a living. Uh, you know, we don't have big money backers or anything like that who are, you know, telling us what to put on the shows or anything like that. We're, we're just a group of folks who care and we want to change the conversation. And so, we started doing this work and now we're just looking for a little bit of help to make it bigger, you know, make it uh, more than what it is and reach more folks as, as we grow. We've seen a really nice organic growth and this awesome groundswell of people who really want to, you know, they want to talk about politics differently and they want to do it with folks who get it. And, and that's what we're trying to do. So we really appreciate that. Okay. This week I am here for the first parts of the show, like usual, but after my opening statement, I'm going to turn it over to Sean and Rachel for talking politics. Uh, I have elected to go to the Kansas City versus Denver game. It's got moved to Sunday night, kind of at the last minute. And so, you know, as, as the great putty from Seinfeld once said, uh, you got to support the team. So I'm going to go support the team. Uh, but I am sad because let me tell you what, this is one heck of a slate of topics. I was very excited for this week's uh, slate. You know, it was like the the holiday ended and just the news just went crazy. So there's so much stuff to talk about this week. You know, the goldfish himself, look, there's so much to talk about with Parson. And uh, so that's that's going to be a big part of the end of the show. Trip down to Texas, trip up to North Dakota. Uh, really cool article on the Missouri Independent from Jeff Smith, who was a state senator. Uh, and he's talking about political ambitions and how it hurts uh, the ability for the government to do its job, essentially. And 2022 has a ton of folks, uh, especially in Missouri, running, trying to get to the next level of office. So it's an interesting look at that. Um, and then, of course, the new national story that folks, if you haven't seen it yet, if you haven't seen this reporting, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Tucker Carlson, Hunter Biden. Well, hold on to your butts. But before all of that, my opening statement about the separation of church and state, just a brief trip into that topic as it becomes more and more important in modern America. Modern America is an ever diversifying country in many ways. One important way is in religious belief and practice. 
It seems the farther removed we are in time from the lives of the founders, heavy quotations around that, particularly those known for putting pen to paper around 1776 to 1800, ones like Jefferson, Madison, Adams, even Washington, the more some folks come to think that modern evangelical Christian teaching was the driving force for the founders and their core belief systems. The writings by those men have, by any serious examination, showed the opposite of this. The Declaration of Independence is often cited as being about no taxation without representation. And it is, a little, the word taxes appears one time. But that simplification, the story of the Boston Tea Party, it always leaves out the context of the time. John Locke's letter concerning toleration influenced George Mason to write in 1776 that all men should enjoy the fullest toleration in the exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience. Mason wrote that for the Virginia Declaration of Rights at the Virginia State Constitutional Convention. In that same convention, James Madison argued that nearly tolerating the religious views of a minority group was not enough and offered the amendment that, quote, all men are entitled to the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience. Madison took Mason's all men should enjoy and turned it into entitled, which begs the question, is Madison really to blame for entitlement culture? But I digress. In 1777, Thomas Jefferson drafted the bill for establishing religious freedom. This was a bill that was specifically drafted to end the government sponsorship of the Anglican Church. That's right, end government sponsorship of church. Going on to say that the opinions of men are not subject of civil government. Why so serious about this issue? Ah, see, now we get back to taxes. See, prior to 1776, there was a tax supporting the Anglican Church. Yes, the government of the king was requiring direct compulsory financial support for one church. Forced religious conscription and financial support was a major driver for the folks writing the documents that would form early American law. They were forced to profess faith. They were forced to be a part of a government-prescribed religion. In 1784, Patrick Henry tried to pass a general religious tax assessment to allow taxpayers to choose which denomination would get their religious tax. They could even choose for it to go to schools or education. The ones standing behind it saw it as supporting religion in general, but not a denomination. Yes, that's right. Some of the most famous founders tried to pass a tax to pay for churches in general. What about the ones we hear about more often? Madison, Jefferson, they opposed the bill, citing that government cannot force belief and that any time the government requires belief, it only generates forced hypocrisy and a false profession of faith to avoid punishment. Why this hard push for religion to be so separated from government? The Enlightenment and natural law, heavy influences on Jefferson and Madison, pushed for freedom of conscience, seen as a natural and unalienable right. There are those who want to connect natural rights to one specific denomination, one version of God or religion. That's not what Jefferson and Madison were arguing, not by a long shot. That's not what the proponents of natural law and natural rights argued, not by a long shot. Now in 2021, there is a push underway, and it has been for some time, to require unity of belief again. The founders have been repackaged and sold as if they practiced a religion that looked much like a modern-day church, when in reality it was far from the case. Even those in favor of religious support by the government did not advocate for any one type of specific church or any type of evangelical push like a modern church is built on. But that is a circle that doesn't square properly for some folks. Just listen to the language of the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom. This is directly from the document. No man shall be compelled to frequent or support any religious worship, place, or ministry whatsoever, nor shall be forced, restrained, molested, or burdened by his body or goods, nor shall otherwise suffer on account of his religious opinions or belief. We are free to declare and do declare that the rights hereby asserted are the natural rights of mankind. 
the natural rights of mankind to not be forced by a government to even go to a church, let alone believe what is being taught. It's not anti-religion. It's not anti-church. It's not anti-belief. It's anti-conscription based on the government. And that's the difference. Those are the words and the beliefs of Madison and Jefferson. That's the law that they worked on. That's the law that was passed by the Virginia legislature. It's no wonder that in 1787, when the U.S. Constitution was being formed, that two items made the cut. One, that there shall be no religious test to hold office. And two, that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, in 2021, many who want to claim the mantle of Jefferson, who want to claim the wisdom of Madison, they are pushing to completely undermine the very issue that those two push so hard to protect. Our independence as persons, as men and women, as free individuals, to have a free conscience that is free from the government conscription to one particular belief. That is religious freedom. That is what the First Amendment stands for. It does not stand for the idea that we must teach children one specific way, and it damn sure doesn't let it go into the schools. But that's what they want. Pay attention. Pay attention. Now here's Talking Politics with Sean and Rachel. Talking Politics. All right. We are going for it. Talking politics. We're going for Adam. It. Oh my it's gosh. Weird. It's yeah. weird. It's like it's like the first time that you take the car out, but the first time you take the car out, you have to parallel park. Right. Talk about jitters. No, you're yeah, totally right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like a busy night and you're in downtown St. Louis and everybody's honking and you're like, I just wanted to go out with my friends. Right. That's how right. we feel. We're a little sweaty. We're gonna be okay. Sean, we're gonna be fine. <laughs> we're gonna be good. No. Well, yeah, let's uh, hold hands and leap into the show. Uh, it's uh, it's me, Sean, and Rachel Parker. And Adam is supporting the team. Uh, he said he needed us to cover for him today. He's at the Chiefs game. That guy. And, whatever. Yeah. He never does anything for us. That's such a lie. He does so much stuff. It's kind of, it's like he is like, do you remember the movie Stripes? You do, oh, right? Absolutely. I'm not that old. Okay, good. And at the very beginning of the movie, uh, Murray's girlfriend, Bill Murray's girlfriend leaves him. And he grabs her by the leg. And as she's walking out the door, he's like, you can't leave me or all the plants will die. And like, that is totally me to Adam Summer. Like, you can't leave. It will just like, it'll just be barren around here. So wither on the vine. Totally. No, well, yeah. We're going to be all right. We've got it. We're solidly prepped and there's lots of good stuff in the news. We are are solidly less charming, but almost as smart. So I think it's going to be okay. Definitely not as smooth. No, not at all. This am, opening feels I am, rough. I am brittle and shook. <laughs> That's what's up with me right now. I am brittle and shook, and you are overworked and tired. We're gonna, but you know, and we we wear it out. We we don't wear it as well as Adam does. Adam's all those things too. He just like he's got it all under control all the time. It's because right. he's a trial attorney because he knows how to do that whole. I guess the whole, so. The whole thing on demand. Right. I need right. I need naps and massages and like edibles and a good bottle of Cabernet. I don't know what I need. I need all kinds of things to get there. He's just there on his own. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> well, you know, tea, we'll use that as a segue. Uh, so what, what are you sipping on? I'm, I'm sipping on tea. Sleepy Dude, I'm time. So, so, sleepy, oh, your sleepy time. Yeah. It's not as fun to drag you about celestial seasonings that Adam here either. It's like suddenly like you're just the middle brother and right. the other one's gone and I just don't feel like picking on you. It's not as fun. <laughs> um, I'm drinking water. I that's not even good. How are you doing? How was your weekend? How are you doing? Sean Diller, how are you? How are you, man? I'm great. You're a, I'm great. giving a baby in like five minutes. I am a couple weeks and yeah, super excited. I was with our three-year-old all day today, three and a half, I guess, while Michelle was working. So we made blueberry muffins. We washed the car. We just, you know, the hours flew by. It was fantastic. And is she and, bossy? Is she a bossy little minx? You're a little three and a half year old? Oh my year gosh. Yeah. The bossiest. Yeah. From That's the great. moment she wakes up, she wants me to turn her light off <laughs> or turn it on. Uh, she has demands. This goes from there. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. But, Excellent. Yeah. How about you? I mean, I, so I've been, I've, I've been uh, dealing with a chronic pain issue that I've been talking about a little bit 
And um, I just, I've never had chronic pain in my life. I've had like things wrong, like everybody else. Like I've had little dings and bruises and dust ups along the way, surgeries and whatnot, but I have stenosis in my, um, my, uh, in my cervical spine. So it's, it's basically like constant uh, unending neck pain that goes from, oh, I forgot it was there to it's four o'clock in the morning and I can't fall back asleep because I have to stand up because it hurts so bad. And um, I just want to just acknowledge to the people that have to live with stuff like this, like just how much I appreciate. I did before. I was always very empathetic uh, towards the, towards the afflicted peoples, but um, it's making me that much more sympathetic. So anyway, I've been better. I'm not going to lie, but we're working it out. Um, And uh, just want to, again, thank all the other people that busted their asses to get uh, one Joe Biden elected because I still have my health insurance. And so because of that, I could just mind my business and get my get my my PT on, get my get my pain management on. So thank you, everybody, for all you've done for all those things. So if you you can get appointments, how's the. uh... How's the availability? I hear hospitals well, are slammed everywhere. Yeah, it's I know how to grab doctors by their ears and and do this in a very nice way and say, listen, I know, I get it. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Oh boy, oh boy, is this whole this whole era, right? And you've got half your face covered. So the you the, all they see are kind of these, you know, you see each other's kind of dead eyes, like gazing into each other. And um I'm dealing with a bunch of different new practitioners who have never seen me before and the pain management people, it's, it's kind of like a factory. It is, they just are there to administer the medication. And because things are so crazy, I think normally there's like a, a person sitting in between you and the pain management doctors who are just there to be like, we're giving you the shot. You're getting the thing. Goodbye. And that's not my situation at all. I'm, I'm very much like self-helping this whole thing. So again, if you guys are out there trying to get healthcare, hang in there, be nice to people because they really are going to be, be firm, advocate for yourself. But, um, but just try, I've been so patient. I had a really bad experience on um, Friday. It was not good. They tried to put an epidural on my spine. I passed out right on the table. Super awesome day. guys. And everybody was like, are you going to be okay? And I was like, just everyone calm down. Let's all just be nice. Let's all be nice. And I think everybody was shocked that I wasn't like furious with everybody. So that's how it's been. Not great. Not going to lie. Not great. Put your masks on, get vaccinated, everybody. Let's get back to normal. All right. Should we jump in? Sure. All right. Let's do it, man. We'll start. We got this. With a true or false. True or false. Beto O'Rourke is going to be the next governor of Texas. True or false. Oh God, I, I want to make you go first. Is that shitty? I'll go first. No, I don't mind. All right. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so I got it. You got you got to look cold at know, elections in a midterm. It's not what especially. we want. It's not what we want. It's what we think. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, he ran a really tight, extremely well-funded campaign against Ted Cruz, who is just one of the most loathsome individuals. You know, you think about it, and like, not popular in Texas, really no. either. Just not popular, right? And he lost by I think it was only a few points. You know, maybe less than five points. Four points, yeah. I think. Four points. But it's going to be tough for him to beat Greg Abbott when you look at what Biden's numbers look like and, you know, just all of the really cold electoral numbers. You know, I'll say that that's probably false. I'm going to say it's false, too, but I'm going to I'm going to provide a a little bit of a different context. So most people don't. under. We've mentioned this before on the pod. We were talking about I think we were talking about Beto, actually. Oh, we're talking about McConaughey because McConaughey was like thinking for a second that he was going to like get on in that race, get on in, get on in, run for Senate. That's why McConaughey was pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to get on in there. I'm going to just, everybody, yeah. everybody, what's wrong with the middle of the road? What's wrong with it? You just meet me here in the middle of the road. Um, and my feeling is what happened is that someone sat down with Matt McConaughey and was like, did, did, you, did, did, you, did you know that to register voters? Okay, first of all, you're a Democrat or you're going to lean Democratic. So you have to register as many people as humanly possible because this is Texas. And did you know that to register people to vote in Texas, you have to be deputized in every county in which you register voters. And the, the, that only lasts for two years. And it's really hard to, it's, you, think you, have to you might have to also take some kind of weird test. It's so complicated. So Beto has been working most of 2021 getting voters registered. He's been deputized. He's deputized in like 15 counties. So he's just been hustling um, uh, getting, getting folks signed up to vote. And 
I'm sure somebody floated that in front of McConaughey and he was like, oh, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Like he doesn't want to grassroots. He is not right. Um, I hope it'd be kind of interesting if 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 McConaughey decided to run for Senate, that'd be kind of funny because senators think you can let's let's all admit it. Senators can either do a lot or do nothing. Right. Like it all depends on how much they want to be involved in the process. Like it's a much less complicated job than being a governor as it truly, truly is. So I could see Matt like getting out there, getting on the I lost it. I lost it. The McConaughey McConaughey's gone. Um, but I think Beto has a chance of giving Abbott a run for his money. That's what I think. I think it's not going to be a cakewalk for Abbott, but I think there's going to be the one thing that we both know is true is there is going to be a ton of money uh, in this governor's race, like mega amounts of of money. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also interesting because both Abbott and Beto have probably universal name ID in the state. You know, they've both just been in the news for years now, pretty much ubiquitous. And the base on both sides is really fired up. And when you talk about McConaughey, all of the grimy and just really unfortunate parts of politics, it's like, this is going to be way more work than the most work you've ever done on a movie. Way more work, right. dude. A lot of people way are going to really hate you. Like if you thought, you know, people were tough on you as an actor, like, you know, and this you, is going to be And you insane. don't get to, and you can't stop. Right. Right. And Texas is huge. It is oh huge. Oh my God. It's so like the thought of running a statewide campaign in Missouri sounds daunting to me because it's so you've got three metropolitan, you've got three fairly major metropolitan, two major and one minor major metropolitan areas that are very far apart from each other. And the voters in all places are very, very different. And then you've got like Columbia in the middle and then everything else is like super. Texas is even worse than that. Like, LBJ, I mean, you if, yeah. if anyone's read the uh, the Robert Caro series, um, I think in, in Path to Power, the the one about his. I love it when Sean Senate. says these things like you've done that, right, Rachel? And I'm like, <laughs> right, you've read you all those. So highly of me. Yeah. You think so highly it's of me. It's about three feet high if you stack those Caro books up on top of each other. And that means you have read them. <laughs> I've read parts of okay. several. I've read all of Path to okay. Power and he hated being a congressman. It was such a grind. You had no power. And he ran for Senate statewide in Texas and he had a helicopter and it was this huge gee whiz. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Kind of uh, that's right. draw for people. And but otherwise, you know, this is there were barely even interstate highways at this time, but you're right. It's a huge amount of work. McConaughey wouldn't want anything to do with this. And Beto, you know, if he is anything like he was in previous times he's run for office, I think he could give Abbott a run for his money. And oh, he's going to put huge amounts of pressure. I mean, if, if, if there's one thing Beto O'Rourke likes to do a whole lot, it's campaign statewide right. in Texas. He was born to do it. He really likes it. Like he really likes it a lot. Um, I was hoping he would not run for president and focus all of his energy and his time just uh, on what he's about to do. I'm glad he's doing it, but I don't know. Maybe he thought there was some what do you like for for you? And you looked at that 2016, the the double bill, the double bill debates, and Beta was up there. Like in your mind, what was going through your mind about like why is this dude even here? Like what did what did what were your thoughts about that? Yeah, it was interesting. He was definitely working to take advantage of a moment that he earned for himself by running for Senate. And I think kind of like maybe someone like Pete Buttigieg, you jump in. Do you really think that your party is going to nominate you for president of the United States and that the American people are going to give you 538 electoral votes when you're like the mayor of South Bend? <laughs> like, is this really going to happen? And I think Beto is really similar. And maybe he was thinking vice president. He's probably thinking like, I really would like to not run statewide in a red state, you know, and maybe VP would be more within reach if he ran for president. But, you know, that that line, hell yes, we're going to take your guns. I still think about that. Yeah, I think he my my opinion of it is no different than what you just said. Um, honestly, I thought like he was capitalizing on something. I didn't know what he was doing there. Um, it certainly didn't feel like his he he didn't need the moment like if Bloomberg didn't need the moment, dude, you definitely don't need the moment. Like, come on. Um, at least Bloomberg has been the mayor of like a major, major, major metropolitan area and is a kajillionaire. So that was kind of the appeal there. Right. Maybe appealed at moderates or whatever. Beto just felt like a 
bro, why aren't you just running for? So I hope my hope is that um, I guess I'll end here. My hope is that first of all, uh, let's get rid of the filibuster and pass the two major voting reform bills that are getting ready to go back to the Senate again. Um, because if we did that, then there might actually be some way to get past some of these ridiculous voter registration laws, not even the voter. ID. I'm not even talking about the voter ID laws in Texas, which are terrible. I'm just talking about how hard it is to register to vote. It's very, very difficult. It's one of the hardest states to register to vote in. Um, but barring that, um, I hope that all of the totally dumb things that Beto O'Rourke said during the presidential debates do not come back to haunt them, haunt him, but I know they're absolutely right. going and to. we can wrap this up because i don't do the timer like adam he's so he's so good at multitasking i couldn't get the timer up while i'm looking at the notes and looking at you i know which is we're not right. this is not our thing like it's, it's and we, i don't yeah. hang in there you guys what's this is like adam's coming back hang in there with us if we look at georgia you know there's a, there was a backlash to all of these really it's been decades of aggressive voter suppression laws and it rallied people to make sure that their neighbors were registered and that folks got out to vote. And, you know, that could happen in Texas also. Absolutely. And next. Yeah, no. Yeah. A superintendent in North Dakota is calling for public schools to teach the Christian heritage of the origins of the American Republic. Rachel, any thoughts? Oh, yeah, no. The story is that that's basically what it sounds like it is. It was a story in The Hill. And basically it says that there's this boob of a superintendent who doesn't want anyone to learn the Marxist critical race theory and that they would be indoctrinated into, wait, let me find it exactly what he said. Do you believe people should be punished for exercising their first amendment right? I don't. From what I can see, the American left does with their unconstitutional cancel culture. So basically like my hot take on this is that a comment section in human form is the superintendent of a North Dakota school district. And he said something and yeah, no, no. I'm starting to understand this segment now. It's like, it seems like an interesting headline, but then it's like, no, this is so dumb. We shouldn't talk about it. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's like, like there are also, there are human beings that are just living. Yeah. No's like Jason Smith, just live it. No. Yeah. No. Just no, just yeah, no. Next, buy or sell or hold. I think that should be implied. Missouri voters will adopt ranked choice voting in a 2022 ballot initiative. What do you think? Well, what, okay, so I made Sean put this on our show sheet. This is going to be a shot. This is going to be a surprise to Adam when he hears it because last week we did the same buy or sell. But what's interesting is that on Monday, I was getting, I was sipping my coffee going through my Twitters. And uh, here is a Missouri independent headline from a friend of the podcast, Jason Hancock from the Missouri independent wrote a story headline group hopes to amend Missouri constitution to enact ranked choice voting. So this is supposed to go, this is going to be heading towards the 2022 ballot. I am buying it hard. I'm buying it I'm buying it really hard. They already have about $670,000. It um, sounds like it's actually a very bipartisan group of people. The St. Louis NAACP has gotten involved. When I hear those words, that means that they are going to be very well organized and they're going to have money uh, and they're going to get every single Democrat from St. Louis involved. So when I hear that, I go, well, it's going to be on the ballot, right? It's definitely going to be on the ballot. So I'm buying it hard. Sean, what's Well, I would be buying it too. I'm, I'm buying it because I've seen... Missouri does have the ability to pass smart ballot initiatives. We've seen it a ton of times. For sure. And this one's going to amend the constitution so they can't get rid of it. They tried with Medicaid and it didn't stick. It was held getting it implemented, but like yeah. it's here. And so. there, there seems to be money behind it. And, you know, I just hope that the, you know, that they put people on the payroll really in Missouri, getting these signatures and, you know, get the field operation going so that people really turn out and it doesn't fizzle. If it's if it's anything like if it's anything like the Medicaid expansion or like the right to work effort, um, I don't know what else is going to be coming up on the 2022. I don't I don't I don't I, I don't have a good idea of what the other kind of big ballot issues are going to be. Um, my hope is that if there's this and a marijuana legalization ballot that we will have a lot of turnout. This is the, like this is the kind of thing that everyone will vote for because 
everybody hates the political party. It's the only bipartisan issue amongst Missouri voters is an right. equal loathing of both parties. And so for all the bad policy choices that a lot of Missouri voters support when it comes to the statewide and legislative political arms, you know, people aren't dumb. You know, I've knocked on doors in Sedalia. I've knocked on doors in Warsaw. You know, people aren't dumb. Absolutely. And they will get out and vote for this. And if you and if you look at like when you're when you're trying to figure out, like we've talked so much about and I'd love you probably have numbers you can pull out of your like you've forgotten more uh, about um, congressional district numbers and thing that I, that I will ever know in my lifetime. But when you look at some of the spreads in some of these races, what's interesting about Missouri politics, and this may be true for Ohio, I bet you it is, maybe true for Indiana, I bet you it is, is that it's not as cut and dry as you think. So Biden did better than McCaskill. Like these weird things, like the way they kind of, the way they kind of break out is always really fascinating to me. Um, that down ticket, people just said, absolutely, I will not vote for a Democrat. But up ticket, some people did say like, well, I can't vote for Trump again, and I am going to vote for Biden, but I'm going to vote for Parson. Like it was a very strange. So that does mean to me that there are people that like do a little bit more critical thinking that is going R, 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 or D, 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 D. Like there is a little bit more nuance. And so when I think about that, what what I think is that's how you're going to get a more middle of the road or even a populist. And this is for, we should point this out, this is for every single statewide primary, right? We were going through the article before we- for the general election, it'll be ranked choice voting. So this is Senate, yeah. this is- Governor. Governor, all the state- All, all the general assembly yeah, seats. All, yep. all the general assembly seats, any uh, state, any state office, like any, uh, and also Congress, so house districts. So- um, this sort of is a an excellent response to redistricting, right? It's sort of like you still have districts, they're still going to be conservative, they're still going to be leaning a little more one way or the other. But when you allow someone to walk into the room and say, I'm an independent, and it means something, right? Well, I support this, and they, they can find that they can thread that needle a lot more easily than they can if they have an R or a D next to their name. So buying it super excited i can't wait to see how this is like continues to play out this is kind of a dream this is kind of a dream come true for me like i'm super grateful somebody's taking care of this so we don't have to love it all right let's talk about the national scene 2022 the white house biden administration economy numbers look good ish i don't know inflation unemployment stocks jobs <laughs> um approval what does it all mean what does it yeah. all mean well you what you're you're already kind of knee deep in planning some midterm races. So we have to throw it to you first, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Well, for myself, I have really just taken a serious little vacation from national political news. I let the Thanksgiving vacation just kind of stretch and it's been a lot gotta of Jimi Hendrix. Do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just more music. <laughs> it's been really cool. But, you know, Biden, it seems like that idea that his his momentum has stalled. You know, when you're 80 years old, it's hard to turn around the idea that you're slowing down or that, you know, you know, I saw let's go Brandon marked on a rear windshield in Denver. So I didn't like that, but we're going to see what this reconciliation bill does. Really. I think his yeah. numbers are going to be tied to what the Democrats can say to voters in the next 10 months or so. So if we can get cinema and mansion, if we can really hopefully not do a rehash of the just excruciating <laughs> discussions months ago about these two senators and jam through a reconciliation bill that puts $300 per child in the bank accounts of millions and millions of parents. And let's, you would hope go. that would be the one thing that would serve like that would, that would be one of the things that would survive. Right. Because like, that's actually pop. That's so popular. Um, I still don't understand why that wasn't just a standalone I don't understand why that wasn't just a standalone bill because it would have been bipartisan for sure um, because Republicans would have been like, I will vote for that because I'm not I'm not an idiot. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a lot about that. Um, you know, I I also have been because I honestly like am in a lot of discomfort all the time. I'm a reader, right? I don't watch TV. I, there's no there's no TV news that can hold me. Um, I'll do a little democracy. I'll do a little bit of things like that. I'll, I'll watch some clips, but generally speaking, I'm a news reader and I've had to spend a lot less time consuming news on the internet because it's, I have to work. And so like, once you're in pain, you have to take a break. And so I haven't been doing quite as much of like the normal, like just overly vacuuming up of like every little detail. 
But I, you know, I look at where we are now in Missouri and, and I, you know, when I look at the races that are happening here, I feel cautiously like, I don't want to say optimistic, but I'm cautious. I have a little bit more confidence in Koontz's ability because I think he's probably going to win the primary at this point. I don't want to call it too early, but I just don't see any competition for him, any serious competition. Um, and it Greitens is getting more money now. Um, right. Schmidt is kind of not appealing. I don't, I don't necessarily think that you can run a camp. I, I don't think you can run a general campaign. I still say this to be wrong. I don't think you can run a general campaign on I sued to stop mask mandates. Yeah, it's he's one statewide. He's got a plan of keeping his coalition together. But he's talking about Greitens yeah, or, no, or Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what yeah. the hell Greitens is thinking. I don't know what his I mean, is his coalition I, all just guys who want Trump to keep murderers in the Navy SEALs? I guess so. Well, <laughs> also, like his he just got like a whole bunch of money from the from the Home Depot founder. Right. Um, so I think he's still kind of a threat of, so I still think it's really between the two of them. Um, but you know, Vicki Hartzler. So anyway, if it comes to Greitens and Koontz, I would say that I would have some vague sense of hope that Koontz could maybe pull it out. So if there are those kind of things going on, you look at Pennsylvania, you look at Georgia, it's, it's, you know, I, I think I, I keep hearing myself say this over and over again. I thought the rule book got thrown out in 2017. I still don't, I don't see, I, the rule book to me hasn't come back yet. I have not seen the rule book come bounding back. And so the assumption of like the opposite party taking control of both houses of Congress after a presidential election during the first midterm. I don't know. I really don't. I'm, 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 I have, I have no really fantastic insights because I think we are in some ways in sort of uncharted territory. So. Yeah. Really with the margins too, it's a tied 50, 50 Senate. And the country's so divided and Democrats, I don't really think have any, you know, solid flip opportunities unless it does become something like Greitens getting nominated. But I don't know that, I don't know what the Republican flip opportunities I'm really are either. That, I think I'm they've gotten rid of all that. I'm assuming that's why Grassley is like staying and is trying to, that old, get, right. like, that old bad is trying to keep his seat um i don't know pennsylvania that maybe maybe that could be one right right potentially depending on yeah they've sent democrats to the senate for sure and i think they have a democratic governor right now too who's i don't know how popular he is but you know he's taken a ton of flack uh and they have kind of a pop they have kind of a populist democrat running like a like a blue collar populist democrat running so right yeah and he's one statewide also he's the current lieutenant governor that's right so, so it that could, could be, be a flip opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, but then there's, you know, there's 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 a lot of shenanigans. So I don't know. There's a lot of shenanigans, a lot of a lot of voter, a lot of voter suppression, Sean. A lot of voter suppression. For sure. Yeah. And you know, whether the house flips or not, you know, there's 435 seats. It's so crazy. And Democrats have a three-seat margin right now. We've already seen, I think, 20 Democrats say that they're not running again. And you know, when I look so over here in Colorado, we've got Lauren Boebert. She's actually more secure in her district. It looks like her district got a little bit redder from our independent redistricting commission. <laughs> like, see what you see what happens. You see what happens. <laughs> Even when somebody competent does it, it's like, see, it's kind of fair, isn't it? You jerks. <laughs> you know, it. I think in Missouri, you know, the second was really the only seat that's been somewhat close in recent years. And that'll probably get more secure for Republicans. And our last, our last topic for tonight, the perennial office. That's always a road to nowhere, Missouri governor. What's happening with Mike Parson? (laughs) What isn't happening? Like, has anyone like Mike Parson is doing everything he can to be as dunderheaded as Trump but not as exciting. Like he doesn't have, it's like, he thinks he can just be stupid, but Trump has right. that, like Trump has that like ability to be like, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I did never said that. And it works because that's who he is. Like he just, I don't like the guy. I'm not defending him. I'm not honoring his memory or anything, but like he just can do that. That's just kind of, that's how he, that's what people like about him. Right. Mike Parson. Isn't that person. Um, 
And I don't even, where do you want to start? Like I, I, I've never seen a governor have a week like this in my life. I don't think, except for, he's just all grievance. He's the grievance governor for sure. It's very weird. It's very weird. Should we start? <laughs> Should we start with that time that he said that the, that the state was getting hacked and surprised his own administration with his announcement because they were about to thank the newspaper that pointed out the security breach to them. And how did this, did this also, how did it leak that they were about to thank the journalist? <laughs> oh, you would ask me that question. So the, the story is that the DESE website, which is an, it's a, it's a, it's an educator's uh, employee website in Missouri Two relatively non-intrepid journalists discovered that if you right clicked on certain pages of the website, teachers, social security numbers were not encrypted. They were not behind a firewall. And so they reached out to the state to say, did you know this? And they were like, oh no, they were going to release a statement thanking the post-dispatch for the discovery, reassuring everybody that they had patched up the hole. They were about to fix it. And then Parson put out this, who are these hackers? We talked about it before. And by hackers, he meant they right clicked, which is not a hack. The FBI decoded the html yes. code which means just looked at it yes really you just, you looked just at look it. at it they called the fbi the missouri governor's office called the fbi and said they hacked us and the fbi was like no that's that's not what hacking is no that's not a hack it's not hacking that's just you guys have to fix it um so that happened we found that out then we found out that the okay so in this year, at the beginning of this year, Missouri, actually not even the beginning of this year, more like mid-year. Sorry, I apologize. Missouri got a new state health director. His name's Donald Kowaroff. He came from Illinois. Over here on the podcast, we were like, how long is the guy going to last? Because he's an adult. He's credentialed. He's an experienced public servant. He worked in Illinois for a long time. Um, career admin, right? Career government admin. Uh, comes over to probably what is one of the most poorly run uh, state health departments in the country, easily replacing a dude that looks like you wouldn't want to leave him alone with one of your children. Um, Randall Williams, uh, who I didn't spend enough time dragging. Uh, so he requested two things. There's a lawsuit that a judge just ruled on that was filed by a bunch of like parents groups in 2020 who were just so fed up with these mask mandates and these mask mandates at schools and these lockdown orders. And um, they won a motion in court uh, last week or the week before and Kowaroff requested the attorney general who's busy suing the St. Louis County and St. Louis City Health Departments for their mask mandates and suing anybody he can get his hands on for against vaccine mandates, schools, the Biden administration and so forth. In the midst of all that, our state health director asked the attorney general to uh, repeat to to appeal the decision that says that uh, local health offices can't put health orders in place and the attorney general's office hasn't, they haven't responded yet. So that's awful. Then we found out this is, this to me is the worst. This to me of all the dumb shit things that uh, Parsons office has done. Uh, let's just say in 2021, because it's, it's too hard. It's too hard to go. It's too hard to go back. So many dumb things. This is just the dumbest one this year. So during the first couple of months of Kowaroff's taking over the state health office, the governor's office asked his office to run numbers to show where infection rates were higher in areas that had mask mandates or did not. Oh, guess what? There's like four or five fewer infections per 10,000 people or 18,000 people. I forget which metric it is. If you wear a mask and if you don't. Now that of course has a huge number on the total number of deaths and so forth. And here's the kicker. The governor's office did not disclose that data to the public. The governor's office did not tell the public that they would be safer if they had masks on instead of owning their fuck up. This is, this made the New York times, by the way, and by the way, Massive shout out to the Missouri Independent. They did this reporting themselves. They, through Sunshine Records requests, um, a lot of work and a lot of collaboration, they broke the story. Um, they're doing such insane work over there. I'm so grateful that they're here. So they, so in response to this story, instead of the governor's office saying, we are so sorry 
We don't know what was going on. We really should have told the public that you have a much, that you do in fact have a slower, a lower chance of getting infected with COVID if you are in a room with other masked people and you yourself are masked. Instead, they argued with the data. Well, and they called mask mandates wrong and destructive. They went all the way. They went all the way. It's so crazy. Right. And so these numbers are just from this year, April to October, during the Delta surge, when people were talking about COVID all the time. So everyone was taking whatever precautions at the county level that they were going to take. And then during that time frame, it was 15.8 cases per 100,000 in the masked areas and 21.7 cases in the unmasked. So six more or, you know, 40% more really. So they got the information and then they decided not to make it public. And then they decided to say that mask mandates were still wrong and destructive. We're going to keep suing anyone who tries to have a mask mandate. And what I really love, again, it leaked immediately. (laughs) Like this all happened like a couple weeks ago. Of course it did. Of course it did. You can't keep news like this out, out of the press. It's why they're attacking it all the time. This is also on the heels of us learning that Missouri had underreported COVID deaths by like somewhere between 1,500 to 2,000 cases. So that took our death total up over 15,000 for a rural state. So for now, like people should know that masks are still required in St. Louis City and St. Louis County. But the response from various representatives from Parsons' office, his, like his office of administration and stuff, are so galling. They're so craven. They're so embarrassing. They're basically like, well, even though that's what the data says, we don't really know that we want to believe the data. That's basically what they're saying. What they're saying is, I know it says it right there in front of me, but I'm going to just still argue with it because like, we don't think the mask mandates work. So I just want to say like, Dr. Kowaroff, please don't quit. Please, dude, please don't. Please stay. Please don't quit. There are people here in the state who don't hate you. Like, please don't go anywhere. I'm so afraid he's just going to walk. I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, presumably he has some kind of a contract. I don't know. Like, how can you work like this? Sean's just shaking his head. It's just sad. Yeah, no. And I mean, this has definitely been covered that people in his position at the state level and at the county level have been leaving in droves. So, you know, right. Well, we'll see how it goes. Definitely get your, uh, get your shots, folks. If you haven't, I've already had my booster. I got my first, you know, vaccine doses in late April. So, you know, I got my booster in November. Get your booster. I did hear that uh, booster shots, uh, were, Americans are getting like 2 million booster shots a day right now. Um, yeah. And uh, you don't have to, this is my new thing. This is just, I'm just going to say this. And I'm going to say this as nicely as possible. You do not have to remain friends with or talk to family members who refuse to get vaccinated. You don't have, you, I'm not, you, you don't have to be mean to them either, but you don't have to like, you don't have to try and make sense of it. You don't have, like, you can just say, look, I'm not going to be around you. I think you're being super responsible. Um, you can try to send them data, but you don't have to, you don't have to try and win them over. And you certainly don't have to continue to like make space for yeah, them in your life. That's what I've decided. Doing something say. irresponsible. They're saying it's for their principles. And it's like, you can believe that or not. But if you want to treat someone differently, you know, when it comes to family decisions, you know, now that I'm a parent, it's like, yeah, I don't want people who are irresponsible around around my family. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's and I'll I'll end with this on this subject. What really frustrates me about um, what a I, I can't think of. So if if Mike Parson were a Democrat, he would never survive, and he would never survive for two reasons: one, Republicans wouldn't tolerate it, and more importantly, two, Democrats wouldn't either. Just ask Governor Cuomo, right? We're like, no, get out. Like when when got when Governor Newsom had like the bougie ass dinner during COVID without masks on for the mayor of San Francisco's birthday party, the his base was like, you asshole, what are you doing? Like we call out our own all the time. Um, we're totally willing to do that, and I don't know if. I, I would not go out. I would not say that, that Parson is a particularly pop, like popular figure in state politics. I think people kind of liked him okay when he was in the legislature, probably. He seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, probably just to sit, sit around and talk to him. But he has no business having this office. And he faced no consequences from the voters. He was reelected by 
an obscene margin. I mean, like a, a what, 22 points or something. Am I making that's about right, isn't it? Obscene. It was obscene. Yeah. It was like it was like Nicole Galloway should have just stayed home. Like I, it was unbelievable. So he has. So not only has he not faced any consequences for his continual incompetence, he was rewarded for it with re-election. And he better fade into obscurity like all the other Missouri governors. And I'm not looking down my nose. I've been following Missouri politics since I was a boy. And uh, I know the governors that I'm talking about are Bob Holden, <laughs> Matt Blunt, <laughs> Jay Nixon, and, you know, Eric Greitens, which Jesus, he can't fade into obscurity fast enough, but that has to be where it's headed. We can't keep doing this to ourselves. But no, when when somebody, the, the way that normally things like this are resolved is that there's pressure from the voters. And so there has to be some consequence for all this stuff. There has to be some consequence. But COVID is unpopular in Missouri and people treat COVID like it's a Democrat now, like it's a human being that's out to make your life miserable. Um, and so anyone that tries to treat it with a, a level of alarm uh, is is taken out of context now to such a, a ridiculous degree. So we'll have those articles in the show notes. They're absolutely bad. I've never seen anybody survive political scandals like this in my life ever. I've, I'm, I'm, I don't have anything else to say about it. I'll say that I forgot Roger Wilson. Okay. Who is vivid in my mind, not obscure at all, but vivid, not obscure to me. I don't even know that. I don't even know that was. Yeah. He was a statewide elected democratic governor. He was Lieutenant governor. And then I think he might've been involved in, I don't remember why he left. (laughs) I guess that's all the time we have for today. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks as always for joining us. Well, yeah. And Adam, we hope you had a good time. We hope we didn't kill the baby too badly. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to edit this.